We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. If you're chasing after God, He is worth the effort. A lot of times we don't see results in our lives because we are chasing after the things of God. When we should be chasing God. We chase church, right? Chase church activities. We chase everything that is expected of us to do. But you know, you can do the things of God and not, not be approved of God. These guys will come and they will say to him, in your name, we cast the devil. So there is, there is people who are not operating by the grace of God who tell demons go in Jesus' name and the demons go. Is anybody listening to what I'm saying? There is people who are operating by a different spirit who pray for the sick and the sick recover. So not everybody who can raise the dead is called of God. Okay, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Signs and wonders are not a premise for deciding who God approves and who God disapproves. Because you can do the works and he will say to you, not you, in Jesus' name. But he will say to them what? I know you not. That's one spectrum of it. And then on the other spectrum, you can be called of God, gifted of God by his spirit, and yet not walk in spiritual maturity with him. So you can have people who walk in the gifts of prophecy and, and the gifts of faith and the gifts of healing and the gifts of interpretation of tongues and the gifts of diverse kinds of tongues who are not mature in the faith. You can have somebody who is heavily gifted but has major character issues. Talk to me somebody. You can have somebody who is gifted but have no idea of the depth of the word. You can have a worship leader who sings and heaven opens but cannot articulate the word view on worship. That's why a lot of worship leaders don't speak much. Hello? If you open your mouth to speak, this is all that worship leaders say. He's the rose of... The lily of the... The first and the... The alpha and the... The beginning and the... Finish. And if I begin to challenge you, especially worship leaders, and say to you, first of all, what does it mean for him to be the rose of Sharon? Because until you understand the background behind what you speak, the accompanying power will not follow it. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Oh, you're the rose of Sharon. What does that mean? You're the balm in Gilead. For you to say God, God is the balm in Gilead and the balm flows, you must understand the context or the premise of which you can say he's the balm in Gilead. When you say he's Jehovah Rohi or Jehovah Jireh or Jireh, God that provides, you have to understand the context. What was the context of Jehovah Jireh? First of all, let me help you. Jehovah Jireh was not a name given to God. It was a name given to a place. 
It was a name given to Christ. What is the context of it? Yes, we know it's the Lord that provides. How, what, what led to that? It sounds like Quranic school. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? So by the time you say Jehovah Jireh, you are invoking a God that provided when you had killed all you had. That's the context. So before you say God, you are Jehovah Jireh. Your Isaac must have been on the line. Don't just say Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. No, 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 no. You're Isaac. And in Genesis 22, the context of that scripture, Isaac died. Because Hebrews tells us that Abraham received him back from the dead figuratively. So in God's eyes, Isaac was dead. Do you understand? Because Abraham was not thinking twice about that knife dropping. He took an angel to stop him. So when you come and worship and you quote stuff or you pray or you you pray and you or you're you're praying over someone and you just quote the word but you have no understanding of the background of the word, it's not effective in your life. What are we saying? You can have gifts, you can know the word. The devil knows the word. Probably more than everybody in this room. You can know the word, you can operate in the gifts of the spirit, but not be approved of God. So we can be chasing. A form of godliness and deny the power thereof. Romans 1 25 says, although they knew him, I believe 25, as God, they did not glorify him or worship him or acknowledge him as God. So it's one thing to know him, it's another thing to acknowledge him or to worship him as God. And so it takes a different level of, it takes a heart that is after God. To come. So celebrate yourselves for coming in the rain. Praise God. Last week we confronted some things. How many of you were here last week? And you came today. Wow. <laughs> right? We, we, we confronted some things last week on the basis of the word of God. And I said last week, and I repeat it again today, that we're in a dispensation where God has called some of us to upset the system. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. yeah. We are called to upset the system. Shake it to its foundation. And let only that which is bound by the word stand. Let God be God. And let everybody be a liar. In other words, let me rephrase. It takes you being willing to be made a liar for God to be fully God in your affairs. Let me let it sink in. Do you understand what I said? It takes you being willing to be made a fool of for God to be sovereign in your life. If God coming to you cannot attack the status quo of your life and rattle it and shake it, he can't be fully God in your life. And God is either God of all or not God at all. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? He's either God of all or he's not God at all. Because his spirit, he says, will not strive with any man. And that's the age we're in. I told Pastor Elvis two Mondays ago, I repeated it in our last meeting. I said, get ready for the numbers to shrink. <laughs> because when a shaking comes, 
Only those who are passionate for God at their own expense can stand. Is anybody listening to what I'm saying? Yeah. We have done church for so long where church is about making you feel good. Am I in the more sessions? Well, we have done it too much now. Haven't we? Think about it now, honestly. But certain things, if certain things are a prayer point in your life, you are not chasing after his righteousness. Did you hear what I just said? If certain things are prayer points in your life, you are not seeking first his kingdom and all its righteousness. Because Jesus promises that all these things shall be added to you. Before then, he says, your heavenly father knows you have need of these things. And then elsewhere, he says, even before you ask, he knows. So if you're running after stuff, it's because you haven't found him whom you should be running after on account of which the things you are now running after should be running after you. Did anybody hear what I just said? All these things, not some of these things, right? Second Peter says his divine power has given us all things we need for life and godliness. Not his divine power will give us, but his divine power has given us. So when a new thing happens to you in your life, that was not when God did it. He had did it before. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who are writing exams, mind your English. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? He had finished deeding it since. <laughs> it just came and did now. <laughs> Did you understand what that is? His divine power has given you everything. So when it happens, it happens when, when according to James 1, your patience had had its full work. It's in your Bible now. No? James 1, 2, count it all joy when you go through, knowing that the testing of your faith worketh patience, and therefore let patience have its full work, that you might be complete lacking nothing. That's when it happens. When your process is complete. When God is ready to show you forth. And showcase you as his glory. Second Corinthians 2, 14 I believe. Now blessed be God who causes us to always triumph in Christ. Jesus, making, making a show of us as his fragrance of his glory in all the earth. That's when it happens. But he had. <laughs> Do you understand? You get? So it is not God's fault when things are not happening in your life because he already did it. God doesn't owe you nothing. So you know when you pray, Father, if you don't answer this prayer, answer this prayer or else. <laughs> or else what? I will backslide. I will drop my Bible. Drop it. Before your Bible was he is. But he's God all by himself. God does not need support. 
So your serving God doesn't add to God. Hello? And your refraining from serving God doesn't reduce from him. He's God all by himself, existing in a class all on his own. It's by him that everything is measured. Serving God actually helps you because he opens you up into more of him. And the more of him you know, the more of him you enjoy. Praise God. Praise God. All right, so let's, let's celebrate God one more time tonight. Um, there are two things. Is it okay to just talk tonight? Is it all right? Is it all right? Interestingly, I want us to talk tonight about truth. And I've titled what very short um, teaching. I'm, I'm trying not to do teachings in two parts. You know what I mean? I'm trying, but it's just not really working because to come back to the second part becomes a problem. And I was, I was, I was meditating about it a few days ago, especially coming on the heels of last week where an apostolic edge came out. Yeah? How many of you were here last week? It's closed. I closed it because I didn't hit it. An apostolic edge came out, right? And some people were like, wow, is that really pav? Because he came out slicing. And I thought, let's talk a bit about the truth. And I've titled this talk, Crunch Time. In sports, where they get into injury time or extra time, they begin to make frantic changes in order to salvage whatever is left of the game. Yes? Is that true? So you see a lot of changes taking place in, in all kinds of sport. That action is called crunch time. So crunch time is that point you get to in your life where you have to make a decisive decision to get you to the end of what you're doing. Where you take a stand on something. That's crunch time, right? Take off Proverbs 23, 23. They've got the message, don't worry. They'll buy the truth. So that's the crunch time. And from the beginning, from, from the garden, there's always been that war between light and darkness. Talk to me now. I said it's a talk. Talk to me. So crunch time, right? Right? War between light and darkness, between good and evil, between the truth and the lie. And therefore, man is always caught in the crossfire because the entire war is for who controls man. Because whoever controls man controls the agenda of the earth in time and in eternity. Do you hear what I said? Whoever controls man. Because nothing on the earth can happen without the direct involvement of man. Okay, God will help me tonight. And that is so because man is the only agent that has legal right to operate in the earth. Do you understand what I'm saying? The heavens are the Lord's heavens. But the earth has he given, sir, to the sons of men. Talk to me. So the only entity that has legal right on the earth 
is man. Because he was created in God's image, but formed from the earth. Let me let that sink in. He was created in God's image, but he was formed from the earth. Therefore, a demon on the earth is powerless except he or she occupies a body. Are you getting what I'm teaching you tonight? That is why they are always fighting. What you call demon possession. And then there's an interesting question I ask people. Can a believer be demon possessed? <laughs> or can a believer be demon oppressed? There's a difference between being demon possessed and demon oppressed. If a born again child of God can be demon oppressed, where is the demon possessed? Where is the Holy Spirit? Can the Holy Spirit and a demon cohabit in a body? So, Auntie, if you are demon possessed, it means you are not spirit possessed. Full stop. Quote me anywhere. If you are spirit possessed, you can't be demon possessed. But you can be heavily demon oppressed. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be doesn't mean you will be. Do you understand? So you understand now the, the drag for man. Demons are looking to possess. Jesus is looking to possess. Revelation 3.20 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open, I will come in to him. Do you not know that your temples are, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit in whom he also dwells. Do you understand the, the, the principle? So the entire war is for control of man. God wants you because that's what he created you for. Before the enemy messed it up. And the enemy messed it up, like I said, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, by coming to suggest thoughts in your mind. Has, has God said? Has he not said? And we'll continue that when we go back into help. I'm losing my mind because I need to finish that message, right? Yes. I need to finish it. Maybe next week. Oh, maybe. <laughs> That's the war. So this war always puts you in a point of choice. How many of you have seen the, the, the choreography that was done about some, I think it was in TDJX Church, it was on YouTube. About some, some lady who was, or some guy, someone who was saved and had white clothes on. And God was trying to get his attention. And the cares of life were pulling. And each time they succeeded, a white cloth came off. The child of God and a black patch. Representing darkness, representing sin. How many of you have seen that? Very powerful. A few people have done that, you know, in different churches. And every time, something came off. That's the war. So it's always putting you in a position of... To choose or not to choose. And in this season, that's crunch time. That's crunch time. God is never imposing himself on anyone. Hello? So anybody that imposes himself upon you in the name of God is a fraud. Did you hear what I just said? 
God does not impose himself on anyone. So anyone that comes to impose himself on you in the name of God is a fraud. It's not the God of the Bible that sent him. Amen? But God is hoping that you will make a choice in his direction because he's the only one that paid to deserve or to earn that choice. The devil didn't do nothing. The devil doesn't create. You know sometimes you give the devil too much credit. The devil doesn't create anything. Anything. The devil just waits, looks and perverts. There is no such thing as devilish music. To say music is devilish is to give the devil credit for creating it. There's only music that God created and the devil perverted. It is not his music. Even in its perverted state. Let me let that sink in. I think there's too many religious people in this room tonight. Can I repeat what I just said? There is no such thing as secular music. Because the devil just perverts what God created. Because when the dude fell, he didn't lose any of his powers. He didn't lose it. He just lost his titles as the morning star in the garden of God as Lucifer. But he didn't lose his powers. That's why he could come and challenge Jesus and tell Jesus, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you. He was saying, I will give you because he had the power to give it. Hey. Hey, uh, Are there any Christians in this room? He had the power too. Jesus identifies that he has power. Jesus calls him the prince of this world. Right? He doesn't create nothing. So sometimes they give him too much credit. He just perverts what God created. Music originates from God. Don't let anybody fool you. Every kind of music, every genre of music came from God. You see the genealogy of, of the, the, the early guys from Seth in you know, going down. And then it gets to a man called Jubal. And the Bible says, and Jubal was the father of all those who play the instruments. And Tubal, his father, his brother, was the father of all the blacksmiths who uh, crafted stuff with their hands. So the very first musician who birthed music was a direct offspring of Adam. Or Adam. And even before Jubal, God is telling, asking Job in Job 38, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? When God was laying the foundations of the earth. And God said, where the morning stars clapped their hands and sang for joy. Before the foundations of the earth was laid, they were singing worship. Yeah. It's in your Bible. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? When the morning stars. Job 38. Answer if you know. God was asking Job. Before I laid the earth's foundation, before I measured it on the hollow of my hands, music was already in place. Because music is the atmosphere of heaven. You go and read Revelation 4, 5, 6. You understand what I'm talking about? The prayers that you pray ascend before God's throne in an atmosphere of music. 
Why am I saying this tonight? This is not what I'm saying. There's 24 elders and they are not the house of assembly of heaven. Hello? Let me, let me point that out very carefully. The 24 elders, you know how you have some of our churches, our elders are so powerful. The elder can hire and fire a pastor. Wow! Come on, talk to me now. Elders can veto the budget. It's not going anywhere. Elders can hold the church to ransom. 24 elders are not heaven's parliament. They are not heaven's senate. They are actually heaven's quintessential worshippers. They are musicians. They have crowns, so they have domains. They have harps, so they are musicians. They are playing the harps, and they are also carrying golden vials, which is pouring out incense of the prayers of the saints before God in an atmosphere of music. It's scriptural, it's in your Bible. Go and check it. So music is a God thing. Because truth cannot be perverted. So the devil takes music because he falls and he was music. The devil was not heaven's music director. Let me correct that as well. Lucifer was not a worship leader. Lucifer was not a music director. Lucifer was the music of heaven. He was built as musical instruments. Yeah? Check your Bible. Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14 makes it very clear. The tapestries and the strings were crafted in you the day you were made. That's what the Bible says. So Lucifer moved and music symphony happened. Why am I sharing this tonight? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this is not what I want to share. He moved and as he moved, symphony happened in heaven. So, Lucifer was not giving God worship. God gathered all the worship of eternity and put it, personified it in Lucifer. So, God saw Lucifer and was worshipped. That is why a third of the angels could fall. Because the glory of God then was as seen in Lucifer. Do you understand what I was saying? So do you understand how easy it was for a tenth of the angels to think he was God? When he said, follow me. Because it was the glory of God personified. That's why when Lucifer fell, he didn't lose his powers. Hello? But Lucifer's fall, God now said, okay, now. We're not putting the whole worship on anybody anymore. Let us make man in our image and let him fellowship with us. And let him become like the glory. Second Corinthians 3.18 And we, beholding the same image, are being changed from glory to glory. Lucifer was that. So he fell. He didn't lose his powers. But he began to pervert truth. So the war extended. That's how he succeeded in the garden in Genesis 3, right? By perverting the truth. Yeah? And that's the war. But God is not imposing himself on anyone. He's hoping that you will choose him in recognition of his love and sacrifice towards you. But this is something interesting. I said we're talking, right? I was sharing with a lovely lady um, yesterday and I said to her that the only choice you have 
in this God matter is to choose whether or not you will say yes to him. First Kings 18, Elijah asks them, if Baal is God, follow him, right? On Mount Carmel. If God is God, follow him. Joshua 24, somewhere 21 or there about, no, uh, 15. Joshua 24, 15. Um, Joshua says to them, if, if, if serving God is evil, give us a, a 21st century version. <laughs> Helps, let's help the lives and ministries of some people. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship. The gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're in. As for me and my house, we'll worship the Lord. So the only choice you can exercise is the choice of whether or not to worship. Are you following me? The moment you exercise your right to serve God, you lose your right to choose otherwise. You cannot choose to serve God and choose how to serve Him. Uh, you can choose to serve God and you can choose not to serve God. But you cannot choose to serve God and dictate to Him how you should serve Him. Your ability to choose dies the day you chose. Oh my Lord. Is, is anybody hearing what I'm saying? The day you exercised your right to choose to follow God, that was where your ability to choose dies. Or, that is where your ability to choose should die. That's our problem. We choose to follow God, but we are still choosing how to follow. Are you getting what I'm talking about tonight? Are you sure? But if we're working with God for who he is, your choice is exercised at the point of choosing this way or that way. But the moment you choose God's way, you must do it according to the pattern. He tells Moses, he said, see to it that you build according to the pattern that I'm showing you. So you cannot worship God on your terms. You must worship him on his terms. And that's what God has called us to do. To redefine worship on his terms. But we are coming and we want to be the one to tell him how far, how we should engage, how deeply, how, how much. No, 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 no. That is, that is, you lost that right the moment you said, I have decided. You know, we sing some things. Foolishly. I surrender all. I, are you sure? Are you sure? Here I am, here I stand. Lord, my life is in your hands. This is the word. All my dreams, all my plans. Lord, I place them in your hands. Are you sure you know what you're singing? Because if you know what you're singing, when you're singing that song, you'll be crying. Because you just signed your death sentence. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you understand the depth of what you're saying, Paul said, for your sake, we have been killed all day long. You will not sing some things too quickly. Honestly, you will not. You will be singing a song, you will be like, yeah, okay, maybe next week I'll join you in that song. 
<laughs> but as, as for today, I have never read. You know, it's, it's good to be honest with God. It's, honest, it's, it's okay. Don't deceive yourself. I've, I've, I've been captured by your love. I can't explain what are my favorite songs. Now you have me and I'm forever changed. This line says, I've abandoned everything I've ever known. Now you have me. My life is not my own. And then God tells you to go somewhere and you break away. <laughs> I thought your life is not your own. And the church say, Oh, there's people here. How you doing? Okay, how market? Who put you here now? You see the breeze from the window. Can we say hi to these guys? Yeah, forgive me. I didn't know what I was doing. I'll be coming here regularly. Eh? You see me. You see me. I didn't know you were there. <laughs> Come, I appreciate this. You know, people, the cornerstone. <laughs> the cornerstone members. <laughs> I thought your life is not your own. So you can't come to God and say, I give myself but. I give myself however. I give myself uh, with the exception of. You lose your right to choose the day you exercise your right to choose. So you were free or so you thought. But you were bound. And then you came into God and became free. Galatians 5.1 But that freedom binds you to God. Once you were free, but you were bound. Now you are free. But you are bound. Because then you were bound, even though you thought you were free. And so I said to my guys before, there is a freedom that binds and a bondage that frees. Pav said so. In Christ, there's a freedom that binds and there's a bondage that frees. So when Paul is saying, Paul, a bond servant of Christ, he wasn't saying that I'm a slave. He was saying Christ has absolute control or rulership over me. I choose not to exercise my choice. That's what Jesus meant when he said, not my will. But I'm done. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So we, we, we do not determine how to receive him. You can only determine whether or not to receive him. Anybody understanding that? Yes, Our work with God th thrives to the point that we subscribe to him. I say this all the time. You are coming to God as you are. Right? You come to God as you are. But you don't stay in God 
as you came. <laughs> Come as you are, but don't stay as you came. Otherwise, you have made the cross of no effect. I thought the part of the just is as a light that shines and shines brighter and brighter. I thought it's a little here, a little there. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Changed into the same image from glory to glory. Romans 1, 6, we are saved from, from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the truth of God's word confronts your status quo or should confront your status quo and make you conform to the image of God. Hello? <laughs> and so, very quickly in our line, walk with God, we get to the point where, how many of you notice that when you got born again, you always had honeymoon moments? You got born again. Your phone died. You put your hand on your phone. Father, let this phone come back to life. And your phone comes back to life. You put your hand on your car. You say, Father, let this car start. And the car starts. How many of you had that? Yeah. Honeymoon moment. And then you have been born again for 20 years. 25 years. And then you now wake up and you're, and you're flexing. And you lay your hand on your phone. And the phone looks at you. And you are offended. Has anybody been there? My hand is up. When you finish praying, you still go and look for the phone repairer. <laughs> and still pay him by faith <laughs> to fix it. And God is still God. <laughs> Has anybody encountered that? Go to your honeymoon. And then zzz, dries up. That's not God being wicked. That's God calling you into maturity. Man of God, I saw some, I, the day God showed me something, it changed my life. I realized that if you study the New Testament, I'm talking about truth, right? Crunch time. If you study the New Testament, you will not see, sir, one instance where the anointing on a man of God was used to benefit the man of God. It blew my mind today, I noticed. You don't see one instance, sir, of the anointing of an anointed one. Benefiting himself. Go and check your Bible. Paul is crying in 2 Corinthians 12. He said, ah, this, this thing is buffeting my flesh. This thing is a turn. This thing is a messenger of Satan. And three times I cried to God to take it away. And God says to me, my grace is sufficient. Before you continue, this is Paul that was walking and his shadow was healing the sick. They were taking this yes, sir. from Paul. Yes, sir. And, they were, and he was healing the sick. Hello. And then man of God, Paul is writing. And he says, um, uh, Trophimus, I left sick in Miletus. Ah, how come you are healing the sick, raising the dead, and your own assistant missionary pastor is sick, and you left him? <laughs> Did you understand what I just said? Yeah. Trophimus is sick, or I left him in Miletus. Paul just continued the journey. Left the sick person there. When you recover, take boats. Join me. 
How do you explain that? And then Paul gets to the point where he says in, in 2 Corinthians 12, Therefore I shall boast in my infirmities. For my conclusion is when I'm weak, then I am strong. For his strength is made perfect in my weakness. When Paul did not have, he didn't pray for supply. He said, I've learned to abound. I've learned to abase. <laughs> Father, let this fridge bring <laughs> fruit, fruit after its own kind. <laughs> and you open the fridge and the fridge is like, hey, hey, nothing's happening. <laughs> nothing is happening. <laughs> and then when we, when we now come to church and we're singing what you said you will do you're like nonsense <laughs> he didn't did anything <laughs> he didn't did anything the day I learned that I became content in my struggles do you know how annoying it is for me? I mean, I'm honest. I am work in progress. You sit down there and you're looking all righteous and religious. It's okay. <laughs> it's really, it's okay. Me, I'm work in progress. Do you know how annoying it is for me to pray for you and you get healed and I'm having a headache and I'm going to bed with it? <laughs> Maybe I'm the only honest man of God or servant of God. You know that? it's annoying as I'm saying it now it's not happening but I'm annoyed in advance or in arrears do you understand it's vexatious I feel livid you pray for somebody and instantly the God is breaking through in their lives you're struggling with something you know God can fix Now you hear my grace is sufficient for you. I know I'm carrying enough grace. I'm feeling the weight. <laughs> if, if grace is an ocean, I'm all sinking. You know that song? And you pray for someone and instantly, here we've had ridiculous miracles in these more sessions. Sometimes I go home trusting God. <laughs> Me, I'm honest too. I go home trusting God. For I wist not where the next supply shall come from. And I go home saying, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And I will state my case before him. For he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall comfort as God. There is no record. Of the grace of a man of God benefiting the man of God directly. No. One man, sir. Is, is this helping anybody? Yeah. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. One man kills 850 prophets. 450 of Baal. 400 of Ashtaroth. One man. One man. Not any one of them escaped. A woman came after him. He ran. <laughs> Women, sir. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Eight. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Eight hundred and fifty prophets of Baal. 
slew all of them. Jezebel coughed. Elijah disappeared. <laughs> oh, hey, they have just killed everybody. Oh, only me is left. A man called down fire from heaven and ran from a woman. Why could he not call down fire against the woman? Do you understand what it means for you to call down physical fire to consume the sacrifices, the wood, the stone, the water in the trenches? Then who are thou, O Jezebel? Supposedly, right? Before Elijah, thou shalt be made. The guy ran. A man that said, as surely as the Lord lives, there shall be no rain and don't confuse it or dew. Before you think, oh, rain will not come, but shall the early morning will bring dew. He said, there will be no rain or dew. And he said, except at my word. He didn't say, except at the word of the Lord. You don't understand. And heaven sanctioned what a man said. A man who was not an Israelite. Heaven sanctioned it. And yet, when he was hungry, a widow was arranged to feed him. He still had to depend on God in spite of his grace. Is anybody understanding what I'm saying? He still had to. Elisha got a double portion of Elijah's anointing. And just before you get it twisted, Elijah's were, were recorded seven miracles. Elisha were, was recorded 14 miracles. So that double portion was a double portion. It wasn't a figure of speech. Do you understand? Seven recorded miracles of Elijah. And just at when it looked like it would not be double portion at number 13, Elisha had died. And he was in the grave and he had rot. And the enemy was coming. And they threw the cusp of a young man. Human beings are selfish. You are going to bury a dear young man. And then you saw militants coming. Or Boko Haram. And you threw the cops. And ran. And the corpse fell into the grave of a long dead Elisha. And fire from the bones of a dead man. Brought the young prophet man to life and Elisha stayed dead. <laughs> Miracle number 14. Double portion. <laughs> that was the 14th. They're dead. So the truth of God's word is what shapes us in spite of us to go after God. God doesn't promise us smooth sailing. Hello. So all you milk and honey Christians. He doesn't promise you smooth 
sailing. Jesus told his disciples, in this life you will have many troubles. I said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So the truth of God is not palatable. Jesus always said, I tell you the truth. Right? You always see that. I counted about 78 times in the New Testament when Jesus says, I tell you the truth. In the book of John, he says, I tell you the truth 26 times. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Why? Because he is the truth. John 14, 6. Yeah? Jesus said to them, I am the way. We always quote that when we are trying to lead people to Christ. But we don't remember to quote that when we are trying to remind ourselves that he is the absolute truth. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. So who is truth? John 17, 17. Put that scripture on the screen. I think I'm right. Jesus prayed for his disciples, tells them, sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is truth. James writing talks about, and John talks about the word of truth. Right? John 1 talks about how in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his. Before you get to glory. The word became flesh and will be held his glory. So the word is a his. The word is not its. The word is a person. The word is Christ. Because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Without him, verse 2, him was nothing made that was made. Colossians 1, 16, 17 says, In him, for him, through him, do all things consist. In him all things hold together. So truth is Christ. Christ is the word. The word is truth. That's the threefold cord. Do you understand that? So Christ is the truth. So to accept the truth is to accept Christ. To reject the truth is to reject Christ. Right? So a believer is one who can be said to be fully submitted to the truth of God's word. I want to show you a few things. I'm looking at the time. We'll end on time by God's grace. Right on time. I wrote here, and I've said before, the word of the truth of God's word is often hard and uncomfortable. At the same time, it is uplifting and encouraging. The brand of Christianity we're being presented with is one that tells you or keeps you in church without rattling your life. Keep you, you know how they say you put a frog in water and you turn up the heat gradually the frog is swimming in the water and adapting to the temperature. By the time the water is too hot, it's too late for the frog to realize. And he dies. So in church, we keep us sweetened. If I send you to the poultry to go and bring a chicken, I asked this question here before. Which one will you go and look for? The fattest one, right? So there's a tendency we have in church to keep you and make you feel nice and sweet. 
Because church is about growth. Church is about numbers. Hello? Church is about, or we've made it about status. And so the truth of God's word is no longer coming to confront you. I thought 2 Timothy 3, 16. Put it on the screen. I think it's 2 Timothy 3, 16. Yes. I thought all scripture is given by inspiration of God or God breathed, some translations say, and is profitable for what? For? 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 In righteousness. Next verse tells us why. That the, hold on, not that the pastor, hello, because you know how we say that the man of God, <laughs> we apply that to that the pastor or the reverend or the bishop. <laughs> man there is the same nomenclature as to them who believed in John 1.12, to them I received, to them he gave power to become sons. Sons doesn't mean that there are no females. Because remember God created man. He created man male. And he created man female. Genesis 1.27, right? Okay. So just to clarify that. So that the man of God means that the children of God, the believers, the ecclesia, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. So if the word of God comes for all these things, doctrine, reproof, instruction, correction, instruction, and righteousness, then it's not always nice and sweet. Hello. It's not always nice and sweet. It's hard. John 6. I don't have it here. But John 6. I want to show us a few things. Is anybody getting anything? John 6. 30. 30. 31. Why didn't that? Thank you, Holy Spirit. I don't have that here, but John 6. I want to show this very interesting thing I was reading. Please come have a new King James. That was wherefore is show us. Some people here don't understand what that is. Okay, therefore, no, next verse. Go to 31. Aha. Next verse. Okay. Then Jesus said to them, the Jews, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread. Jesus was a troublemaker. Next verse. I'll show you. Next verse. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Next verse. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Next verse. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. <laughs> he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Next verse. This will blow somebody's mind. But I said to you that you have seen me and you don't believe. Next verse. All that the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Keep going. Well, I'm going somewhere. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. I'm setting the premise for where we're going. This is the will of the Father who sent me that um, of all he has given me I shall lose nothing but shall raise it up at the last day. So it's a long conversation. Keep going. Next verse. I'm going somewhere. Okay. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came from heaven. The story starts getting interesting. Next verse. And they said, Is this not Jesus? The son of Joseph. Whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down? 
Jesus shall, next verse. Jesus therefore answered and said, <laughs> do not murmur among yourselves. Let's keep going. No one can come to me except the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Keep going. Keep going. Next verse. I'm trying to get somewhere. Keep going. Yeah, he believes in me. Go, keep going. I am the bread of life. He repeats it again. 48. Right? Next verse. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. Can you see how provocational that is? Next verse. We're going somewhere. This is the bread which comes down from heaven. That one may eat of it and not die. Next verse. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh. <laughs> which I shall give for the life of the world. Next verse. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? We are going somewhere. This is fun, right? Next verse. Jesus said to them, I said to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. I know life eat. Next verse. <laughs> Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Next verse. For my flesh is food indeed. My blood is drink indeed. We're going somewhere. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Keep going. Keep going. As the living father sends me and I live because of the father, he who feeds on me, I love this scripture, will live because of he who doesn't feed on me shall die because of me. Next verse. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, but he who eats his bread will live forever. We're almost there. This thing he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Next verse. Therefore many of his disciples when they heard this, many of who? When they heard this said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Next verse. We're almost there. We're going to verse 66. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Next verse. What then? If you should see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before. I mean, we saw you born. Almost all the disciples of Jesus were older than him. If not all of them. And then you see, Okay, next verse. It is the spirit that gives life the fresh profit of nothing, the wind that was that I speak to you, your spirit, and their life. We're almost there. Next verse. Okay. Now the last verse. Stay there. Sorry about the long thing, but it's your Bible, right? You have to read it to get the context. Many of who? Remember, I can't walk to him no more. So he went to the next verse, 67. He turned to the 12, 67. Jesus said to the 12, Do you also want to go? the next verse they said where to whom shall we go <laughs> you have the words of eternal life 
The truth of God's word is not only hard, sometimes it is offensive. In Matthew, Jesus was talking about a narrative of John. You know, at the point John the Baptist got this illusion in his, in his conviction that Jesus was the Messiah, even though he was his cousin and he was the forerunner. Who made it very clear, the one who's coming, his sandals, I'm not worthy to untie. When he was the first to identify him, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But at the point when he was in prison, he got disillusioned. First of all, his disciples had left him to go and follow Jesus. You know that, right? Andrew, Peter's brother, was one of the key disciples of John that left and followed Jesus. So John says, are you the, are you the, the Messiah or should we look for another? Jesus says to them, who sent you? They said, John. He says, stay with me. Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead. Have you read that scripture before? And at the end, he told them, go and tell John what you saw. <laughs> and then he adds in the next verse, blessed are they who are not offended because of me. I'm running out of time. First Peter 2, I believe verse 8 or somewhere, I'm not sure. Where it talks about how the, the gospel of God or the gospel of the kingdom is um, a, a, a cornerstone to them that believe. But to those that do not believe, it is a stumbling block and a rock of offense. That's the nature of the truth of God's word. Ah, almost out of time. I was right, First Peter 2, 68. I want to ask you a few questions in the next 10 minutes that I have. Thank you. In a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. I need to ask and answer these few questions so we can close and so that I don't have to run this into next week. Is that alright? Okay, I have 10 more minutes. I'm going to do this in less than 10 more minutes. I had four questions put here. Why does the truth offend? Yes, I need answers. Number two, I want to put all the four questions out. Number two, what part of you is offended by the truth? Number three, why is that part of you offended? Number four, does your offense change the nature of the truth? Number one, why does the truth offend? Number two, what part of you does the truth offend? Number three, why is that part of you offended? Number four, even your offense, does it take away or change the truth? Answers. Answers, you can answer them randomly. What, what answer do you have? A, which question do you have an answer for? Number one. Yeah, I think um, the question is, why does the truth offend? Because um, it comes to, it, well, it upsets what we had previously stored up. You know, so there's always that element of resisting change in, in man. And then you, the second question is, um, um, what, part of, what part of me does the truth offend? I think it's the, my ego. You understand? Something had built over time and... You know, the truth comes Bell. to upset it. I didn't get it. It's okay. You are, you are doing good. You are doing good. We get, we get, we get. 
Okay. Um. Then um. I think number three still begs the question for number one. You know, okay. Any any other? Did you get what he said? Anybody else? Quickly before we round this up. Anybody else? Why does the truth offend? What part of you does the truth offend? Why is that part of you offended by the truth? And is your offense take away from the truth? Anybody? Anybody? Speak now. Quickly. I just want to answer question number one. Um, Isaiah, Jeremiah um, prophesied that when the word of truth comes, the, the Jews who the word of truth comes to or which is presented to would not accept it. And we saw that in Acts of the Apostle, even um, Paul himself quoted that in the 28th chapter of Acts of the Apostle. Right. Awesome. Thank you very much for that. Anybody else? Go in. Go in. Praise God. You know you always preach. I'm holding the microphone. <laughs> well, the truth offends because in our human nature, we came from Adam, Edom, as you call. So we, we are birthed with Madam. <laughs> we are birthed with that part which doesn't go with the truth. So each time we it, it comes to us, it affects us. Okay, awesome. Anybody else? I can take a, I can take one more. This is church. This is church. Let's hear each other out. She has a whole full scalp sheet. Why does the truth offend? For example, you're in a particular kind of sin, and all of a sudden you're hearing that you're not supposed to be in that sin. It will offend you because you don't want to change. That's one. What part of you is offended? That part that you don't want to change is offended. Why is that part of you offended? Of course, because you don't want to change. You're offended. Praise God. Does your offense... Does it really change the, the truth? truth? It does not change the truth. Praise God. Awesome. Okay, so can we start with number four now? So we all have a consensus that your offense doesn't change the truth. You agree? And that answers number one. The truth offends because the truth is absolute. Everything else is a variable around the truth. Do you know what I just said? The truth is the truth. The truth is an absolute, the truth is narrow. Narrow in the sense that, I, I was speaking with a lady yesterday or the person and I said to her, if you put your hand in the fire, auntie, it will burn you. Because fire burns. Yeah? True or false? You will not put water in your petrol tank and expect it to respond. Because physical truth is narrow. The car is meant for petrol or meant for diesel or meant for LPG or is electricity driven, a hybrid. That's it. Or maybe fossil fuels, depending on what part of the world you're in. But the truth is narrow. In other words, the truth only fits in the space designed for it. Yes, sir. If you went to a building and you, you went up the 17th floor and you finished your meeting and you want to come back out and the elevator is full. You say, well, you know, he shall give his angels charge over me so you now go out to the balcony and jump. You know, the answer to that is we who are alive shall be cut up to join you who are dead. <laughs> I mean, the, the consolation you have is that you will rise first. 
So the truth is narrow. You cannot um, go against the truth and expect truth result. Now we are human beings and we understand the natural nature of the narrowness or the absolute nature of truth. Now everything in the natural is governed and controlled by the spiritual. For the things that we see are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So the tangible is governed by the intangible. In other words, the intangible realm is more tangible than the tangible realm. Do you understand what I said? If that principle is true, then truth from God's word is absolute. It's narrow. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. By grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So truth is absolute. Everything else is the variable. So if the absolute nature of truth contacts the variable nature of your person, there will be a reaction. An offensive reaction. And like she said, because um, a part of you sins, you know, and you don't want to. Can I tell you the truth? The truth can offend you even when you're not doing anything wrong. The truth can offend you when it questions the degree to which you're doing what is right. I'm running out of time. Do you understand what I just said? The truth can offend you when it confronts the degree to which you're doing what is right. Ephesians 2, um, 10, I believe, says, uh, For you are God's workmanship, right? Put it on the screen. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, whereunto he preordained that thou shalt walk in them. So if we come and we tell you that your good works are questionable, you can be offended. Am I making sense? So if James says uh, in, in chapter 1 that your brother is hungry, yeah, and then you now say to him, go thy way and be filled. He says, what have you done? So if you come to a church and you have a need and we say to you, you know, Father, just meet this need. In the name of Jesus, I just pray for his, his brother, Lord. I just pray for his stomach right now. Feel it, God. Feel it, God. Feel it, God. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it, God. I speak rice, beans, plantain. Do you know your Bible says that? Your Bible says that because you didn't start it today. The church has been doing it for years. And James says, if you do that, of what use is it? So ministry, diakonos in the Greek, is to minister to the need of someone. Do you understand? Is that what that means? Service. The word diakonos from which you, diakonio from which you get deacon, is a word that means laborer, manual labor. A deacon is not one that sits on the second row behind the pastor. A deacon is the usher, according to the Bible. Ouch. But that's what I mean by the truth can be offensive. Yeah. Come on, check your Bible. They were not given. The deacons were ordained because there was nobody to serve food. Not because they had worked in church long enough and had served the pastor long enough. And so they let, let, they let them now be rewarded with a little position. Pending when they qualify for pastor. <laughs> I said I came to upset the system. Yes, sir. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Yes, so somebody will be offended by this and it will be, ow! But does it change the truth? No, because the word is absolute. It's not a variable. They came and they were like, well, how can we be having issues? The Hellenistic women, the women who were Greeks who became converted Jews 
and we're being sidelined in the serving of the food. He came and said, we're being cheated. And Paul was like, we're tired, of, we're tired of, of dealing with the word and dealing with food. You guys, you choose. Guess who ordained, who chose the deacons to be ordained? The church, not the leadership. Read your Bible. Man of God, sir. He said to them, you bring seven men full of the spirit. It was they that knew themselves. <laughs> the church knew themselves and they knew who was qualified for the iconos. And bring these seven men. Let us set them apart and give them the ministry of serving people so we can give ourselves to prayer and the word. Enter diconio, the verb, for manual labor, a minister who serves others. Deacon. Not one who wears a tag and dresses like Pav today. I mean, I look good, amen? Dresses like Pav and sits on the second row. You know second row, right? The truth, my friend, but it is absolute. So don't think that the truth only comes when you are doing something wrong. It could come to question or challenge the degree of what you're doing right. What part of you is offended by the truth? Auntie, your flesh. The Father is seeking those that must worship him, John 4, in spirit and in truth. So spirit and truth go together. I don't have time to teach you all of that now. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God, right? Right? Philippians 3.3, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. Please put Romans 8 on the screen. I love that scripture. Um, try verse 8. Ah, 7. I said verse 8. It was verse 7. Sorry about that. Romans 8.7. Okay. Try and, okay, let's, let's try this. For the carnal mind of the flesh is what? Try King James. There's a scripture that says the carnal mind of the flesh is hostile towards God. Look for another translation. Do you know what that means? It means that you are, your, the flesh is naturally in opposition. That's the word. The flesh, the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is what? For it does not submit itself to God's law, which can be used interchangeably for God's word, which is the truth. And indeed, it can not. So what part of you is offended by the truth of God's word? So if offense rises up in you in reaction to God's word, it is highlighting a flesh factor in your life that is yet to die. Ah, sometimes I wish time wasn't this cruel. Did you understand what I just said? If you react a particular way, if you go out to the word of God, it is that part of you that the word is trying to kill and bring under subjection so that Christ can be fully formed in you. That's what I said in many more sessions before. If you come to church and say the music is too loud, it's because you're not part of the noise. If you're part of the noise, it can't be noise to you. Hello. So if the truth confronts a part of you and you, re you react to it, it is, the, it is God telling you, beloved, that is the area of your life that I'm shining the spotlight on. So rather than go away and be offended, like they said, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. You, you stare into the word and let it craft and shape you. Why is, number three, why is your flesh offended by the word? 
because your flesh is ruled by the enemy your flesh is in opposition to God is hostile to God so everything about the truth of God's word that comes the enemy stands to pervert that's what has happened over the church over the years nobody wants to ask certain questions nobody wants to say certain things because nobody wants to offend anyone but Jesus says blessed is he who is not offended in me he says it's a chief cornerstone the word but to those who do not believe it is a rock of offense that brings us to crunch time rise on your feet everybody I want to show you a scripture and we close Luke chapter 12 and verse 51 the truth of God's word is actually not even uniforming the truth of God's word is not uniform the truth of God's word is divisive hello Luke 12 21 51 51 51 51 I want to show you something that Jesus said very interesting 51 <laughs> Jesus says do you suppose that I have come to give peace on the earth <laughs> he says no but rather what please Christians who is speaking <laughs> next verse for from now on in one house there will be five divided among themselves three against two two against three next verse they will be divided father against son and son against father mother against daughter and daughter against mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law 54 in the last verse when you say cloud well, that's fine so Jesus came to say that what I bring to you will divide you don't look at me like you just lost your mouth talk to me is that in your Bible or not the truth is divisive so when you begin to fight against the truth it should show you that that is what God wants to address in your life final scripture I think it's James 1 21 I think so that's what I want us to pray I think it says receive with meekness yes thank you Holy Spirit thank you uh, New King James therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive how receive how the implanted word which is able to save your souls bow your heads for a minute and talk to God about the truth of his word I'm done I hope I've been able to communicate this word across talk to God about your level of subscription our time is gone we're closing I honestly sincerely hope that's been worth your time but talk to God about your level of subscription what part of your flesh is the word confronting Hebrews 4 says the word of God is quick and powerful sharper than a two-edged sword piercing asunder to the divine the bone and marrow dividing soul and spirit searching the thoughts and intents of the hearts the writer says try me search me pray that prayer honestly because if you don't subscribe to the truth of God's word you can't do much with him.
In Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. Our Father and our God, we thank you. For your word is true. Sweet Jesus, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to eat at your feet this evening. At this our Holy Spirit of God, we only ask for your grace. Yes. Your grace, Lord. Yes, God. In this time, to yes. be able to live above God. Yes, God. Not to live our life to please ourselves, but Father, we ask mm. that you make us make our life to please you. Yes, God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord God Almighty, everyone that is here today, Holy Spirit of God, I thank you because you shall go with us in the fullness of your presence. Yes, God. And we will never depart from this grace that you have bestowed on us today. Yes, Jesus. Blessed be your holy name, Father. Yes, God. For in Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together and celebrate the truth of God's word? This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.